Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. I want you to see what what Herod is doing as I build into this. And if that's not enough, then he goes ahead and he takes a hold of Peter in in this passage. And then they place Peter under watch. And and I want you to see this. In in verse uh, 4, it says, they delivered him to four squads of soldiers. Basically, that's a tetrat of soldiers, meaning four of fours. So now here is Peter arrested, and there are 16 men that are watching over Peter and over his life. You read the first four verses, and at least I did, and I wrote this in my notes, and they treat Peter as if he's some sort of high classified criminal. You know, what's the purpose of imprisoning this man and, and what's the purpose of putting, listen, 16 guards to, to watch over him. I want to go over three things real quick that, that, that I learned and I see in this passage. Number one, here it is. As long as there is genuine truth, as long as there is true light, listen to this, falsehood and darkness will always try to distinguish it. Always. If you've, if you've ever seen yourself living in the midst of darkness as light or in the midst of falsehood as truth, have you ever experienced a moment within that 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 darkness or that falsehood has tried to stop your light or stop your truth from being exposed any longer? Ever been there? And, and here is Peter. And, and, as, and, and here he is living in God's truth and, and living in this light and, and darkness is trying to distinguish it. Number two... Another thing that I see is this, that though we are recognized, it doesn't always mean that we will be popular. Peter is at a place in his life where, where he's, he's, he's truly recognized. He's, he's recognized all throughout this region, all throughout the churches. As a matter of fact, a very respected apostle, a respected leader of the early church. Actually, as the president, the first president of the, of, the, of, the, of the council, of the Jerusalem council of churches. Very, very, very recognized. But yet, we find him here very unpopular. I say that because look at verse 3 with me. It says, And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, Herod, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. So here were the Jewish people, many of them that Peter knew and spoke to. And yet they were pleased with Peter's arrest, pleased with James' death. Not popular, but yet highly recognized. A third thing that I want to share is this. That though we may seem small, we are actually and we are truly mighty. I want you to... To go back into the scripture, because sometimes we get lost in the text of script. We, we get lost in the text, and, 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 we, and we, we, we miss some, some very important um, details. There, is, there are 16 soldiers watching after one man named Peter. Uh, 16 soldiers after this, this one man. 
And my third point, as God was sharing this to me, was, Rodrigo, I know sometimes you may seem small. I know sometimes you may feel insignificant. I know sometimes that, that what you feel might be little and belittled and all these different things from man and from people's perspective. But I want you to recognize that you're actually a whole lot greater than what you actually know. That though you might seem small in the things that are going on around you, man, the impact and what my plan is behind the scenes and the end result is actually way more than you could even imagine. You're actually much mightier and much bigger than the size that you see in the mirror. You're much greater than what you think. Peter is one man, but for some reason, Peter has 16 men around him. Why does Peter have 16 men around him? He's just Peter. Or is, he, is it more than just Peter? Come on. Is, is he really just Peter? Or is there really more? Because when I read this scripture, I, I recognize that they didn't arrest Peter and other disciples. It was just Peter. And you might read this scripture, that eh, not a big deal, just Peter. And my point of maybe him seeming, seeming small yet much mightier than what we think, think about this, Herod is harassing. When a king of a people are harassing a specific person, oh, you're much mightier than what you think. When they're knocking at your door and they're showing a picture and they're saying, we're looking for Peter. We want to bring him in for some questioning. Have you seen him? And this is orders from King Herod himself. And he's pursuing the church and pursuing Peter, though he may seem small. Do you see now in the scripture? He's much bigger. He's much bigger than what the words in scripture actually draw him out to be. Peter, a fisherman. That's all he was. A fisherman. Peter, what many of the Jews would call a, a radical follower of Jesus. That's all he was. That's all he was. One time he, he got brave and, and cut a man's ear off. But that's it. Like, nothing else other than that. I mean, that was taken care of. It's just Peter. But I want us to really find the power behind Peter. And what I'm really going to dive into here is found in the next few verses. Can you please put your eyes on verse 5 with me? Peter is arrested. Peter is surrounded by 16 soldiers. Peter is in prison. Can everyone say prison? prison. And in verse 5 it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison. But I want everyone to, to recognize this next part of scripture. But there was a constant prayer that was offered up to God for him by the church. Come on. I really want to, I really want to chew on this phrase or on these two words real quick where it says, and there was a constant prayer. There was a constant prayer that was offered to God for Peter by the church. There was a constant prayer. Everyone say constant prayer. If you're taking notes, you should write that word, those words down, constant prayer. Constant prayer. When you read verse 5 and, 
introduces us to this church who is in constant prayer, I want you to understand that what they're doing is here, they're praying for him strenuously. What, what I mean by that is this. When, when you look at that phrase, constant prayer, it actually means this. It is a prayer of labor. I, see, I'm not sure if you've ever prayed so much for something or for someone that, that the inside of your being hurts, that you can't even pray about it anymore because your gut hurts, your soul hurts. Have you ever prayed for something so much, so ex it's exhausted you that, that the words can't even come out, that it hurts your soul even to pray sometimes? That's what these people are going through. When you look at that phrase, constant prayer, it, it, it actually is, it's, it's called vigorous exertion. It's, it's, it's a vigorous prayer, a, a vigorous exertion where, where it's all of their being, as if they're laboring out with hard labor. They're, they're praying for Peter, their brother, who they find out is in prison. And, and I read this passage, and, and I see verse 5, and, and, and I want to make sure that we understand this, that, that right here in verse 5, in this early church, this is a body, this is a church with a different mindset. This is a mindset in a church of warfare. This is a church with a mindset of war. When, when we talk about our codes, this is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about we make war. This is a church that understood the phrase we make war. This is a church that stood by our value, which is called deep divine fellowship. This is exactly what they were doing. It was so deep. It was so divine. Their fellowship, though they were separated from one another, was so knit together that they prayed with pain for Peter who was in prison. You know, we're in a fast. This church is in a fast. We are fasting and we're halfway and many of us are extremely hungry. If you didn't jump into this fast, it's okay. Jump into the next one. But, but many of us are hungry. Many of us are taken to a level of prayer and worship that we could understand some of this. But I want us to really see the bigger picture in this text here. Herod, the Jews, listen to this. They just thought that, hey, we just arrested Peter. That's it. They thought, oh, we just killed James, the brother of John. That's it. But I want us to see the bigger picture here. Because what they really did was in arresting Peter, they arrested all the members of the church. Oh, man. See, 1 Corinthians 12.26 says about the believers that when one suffers, everyone suffers. That when one rejoices... Everyone rejoices. Peter was in prison suffering and there was a church at home suffering with Peter in prayer. He, they, were, they were praying as if they were exercising. They were praying as if they were lifting. They were praying as if, as if with this vigorous, vigorous exertion. They, 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 like like the, the words couldn't come out no more. Their soul was aching because they knew what it meant to be in such a fellowship with a beloved that if he's suffering, we're, even though we're home and we're in the comfortable place called home and we're in a place where there's milk and cookies and water and ice and soda and food though he's suffering we too suffer and, and, and they understood that that if one of them is not okay then all of them none of them are okay as well 
That if one suffers, then we're in this fight with you and we're in this war with you. Peter, we might not be in prison. Peter, we might not be chained up. Peter, there might not be 12 people around us, but I want you to know that there is a pain in our soul because we feel for you, brother. So we pray for you all day and all night. It was, it was, a, it was a prayer of labor. It was a prayer of deep vigorous exertion it was a prayer that 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 takes a chunk out of your life they prayed for him not once in a while like we do for one another but they prayed for him constantly the bible said constantly it was a constant prayer constant constant so I started thinking about our fast and I said man this fast that we're on it's for each other this fast is different than any other fast our church has done it's for each other and me personally I'm praying for a shift in how we view ourselves I'm praying right in how we view ourselves because you think you're small and you think you're little. And you think that, you see, let me tell you something. Because when someone speaks down to you, stand up. They speak to every single person in this room. Say something about someone in this room and everyone in this room just got offended right away. Huh? I'm recognizing that our fast is not for just us, but for each other. And how we also view each other and our relationships with one another. And my question as your pastor is, is there a prayer of labor in you? Are we moved with vigorous exertion for one another? And I'm praying for this truly in these, next, these last days, in these next few days. That there would be a shift, but a true shift. A true spiritual shift in our church. In our capacity to pray that there would be a shift. In our worship, in our giving, in our service, and in our serving, there would be a shift. A true shift in the capacity and how we fight for one another. That there is a shift in that truth. You know, if I were to ask a serious question right now, and I've done this before on a Sunday, but how many of you are hurting? How many of you are suffering? I'd, I'd be in shock if not almost every single one of us would stand up. But there's something going on in our midst that, that we recognize. We're going to worship and we're going to pray and we're going to fight for each other in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through. Let's keep reading the passage. In verse 6, it says, when... When Herod was, a, was about to bring him out, everyone say about. about. He's about to bring him out. That night Peter was sleeping. And he was bound with two chains between the two soldiers. Listen to this. He was bound by two chains between two soldiers and then the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Meaning, that's, that's very important there. Because them keeping the prison means they were guarding. They were actually watchmen and they were constantly staring. And making sure nothing went down. This is crazy. How often have we read verse 6? I don't know if you've ever read this passage before. But how often have we read verse 6? Listen to this. 
and we skipped what's about to happen in verse 6. Ever skipped what's about to happen? I'm going to give it to you. Herod, Herod was planning on a public lynching. You guys know that, right? Peter was about to get lynched before the Jewish people. He was going to get hung. And I could almost imagine Herod, the craziness of what Herod was. He was probably thinking this and he probably told Peter this. You're not going to get away like your Jesus got away. I, I know you guys put his body somewhere and you guys took him from the grave and you're not going to get away like he did. And, and he was counting on the fact that you see how this one didn't get away? And Herod was taking no chances. I know he was taking no chances with Peter. Listen to this. Because he put two chains on him. He put two soldiers on each side. And then we don't even know how many. I'm thinking if he had 16 men, you're looking at at least 14 men that were outside of his door, making sure, look on the lookout, making sure nothing went down. You with me? He wasn't taking chances. He was about to publicly be lynched. Peter was about to die right now in this passage. Peter was about to die. And if Peter would have died, we would not have had the scriptures that he wrote. We would not have seen the work that he did through the work of the Holy Spirit. If Peter would have died, he was about to die this very next day. And then in verse 7, follow with me. Look what it says in verse 7. It says, now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by Peter. This is so powerful right here. I highlighted this part in my, in my Bible. I actually did. And it says this. And a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side. And he raised him up. I'm just going to keep reading for a second. And he said, arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Verse 8, and the angel said to him, gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And he did, and he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him. And he did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing in a vision. Seeing a vision. Verse 10, and when they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened them to its own, to, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. Verse eleven. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, "Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent His angel, and He has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all expectation of the Jewish people. He just freed me from the king and from all of his minions. He just freed me. <laughs> he just freed me. I feel like I should keep reading, even though I was, was going to stop at eleven. Maybe you'll get it when I read verse 12 and on. So where does he go? Well, I'm going to go to the family's house. So when he considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together. What? They were praying. And Peter knocked at the door, and the girl named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her gladness, she didn't even open the gate. She ran in and told everyone, Peter stands at the gate. And they said to her, you're crazy, you're beside yourself. But yet she kept insisting. So they said, it's his angel. And Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were all astonished. Can you imagine what they thought? Whoa, our prayer worked. 
here. He's, he's really here. You see, I, I want to make sure you're understanding what's really happening here. Number one, here it is, ready? The faith of others brought forth a miraculous reality for Peter. While he was in his chains and while he was in his prison and while he was surrounded by his guards, the, the faith of others' prayers allowed a miracle to be his reality. Number two, the urgency, the labor, the vigorous strain of prayer. I want you to catch this one. It becomes, or it was, and it is, it's a weapon that defeats all natural threats, all natural restrictions. Maybe you'll understand it if I say it this way. That it's a weapon, that, that this prayer from this church, that, that this, this vigorous strain of prayer from this church, it actually is a weapon, listen, that destroys what the natural actually tries to bound or to imprison. It actually has the, the prayer releases a supernatural that has a different effect than what the natural was meant to do. So when the natural was meant to imprison and when the natural was meant to chain up, the supernatural stood where the natural thought had power and it began to release chains and it began to make um, the guards blind and not see Peter run out. Why? Because I want you to know that though you may think you're small, you're actually very and really mighty because there's a supernatural that fights on your behalf. There's a supernatural that fights on your behalf. So I'm by myself. The heck you are. You got a supernatural army fighting for you. I'm in chains. I'm imprisoned. I got soldiers all around me. But you got angels standing right by you. <laughs> and if you don't see the angels... A couple miles that way, you got a house filled with a bunch of crazy people, and they are vigorously straining themselves in prayer for your life. You see, some parents in this place understand what it means to pray vigorously for their children. When there's tears coming out, there's mucus coming out. My mom used to tell me the story of when I used to go off. Sorry if I always repeat this to you guys. And she used to go to my room with anointing oil. And she used to kneel by my bed and anoint my bed with oil. And say, Father, I don't know what my son is doing tonight. I don't know who he's with and where he's going. But wherever he's at, keep him safe. And that he would come back to his bed after everything that he did. And he would lay down in this bed and put his head on this pillow and on these sheets. And as I pray and anoint these sheets, anoint this pillow and anoint this bed. That when he's in this bed, he would be convicted by the Holy Spirit and that you would draw him close to him. Little did I know that when I was out messing around in the world, there was someone fighting for me in my room. And little did I know that though I thought my friends and my world was tough in the natural in the world, but when I came to face with a supernatural prayer that took place in my room, every night that I went home, I was in tears saying, Lord, if I die tonight, I know I'm going to go to hell. I need you to change me. My mom didn't know it. My friends didn't know it. I kept it personal between me and God. You want to know when I got saved? I told my mom, do you know that every night when I would come home, I would 
would cry and I would say, God, forgive me. If I die, I'm going to hell. I can't change myself. Change me. And she smiled and she says, you know why? You know why? Because every day that you went out, I anointed your bed with oil and I prayed over you. Come on. You may seem small, but the supernatural fights for you. You may think that the natural is overwhelming you. Man, there's some people that should have been here that, that should listen to this. But listen to me. That, 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 that the natural is overcoming you to defeat you, to destroy you. But if you just tap into the supernatural, you will recognize that everything that the natural was meant to do has no power, has no threat, has nothing on the things of God. So a church gets together and starts praying for someone. And an angel just happens to show up. And chains begin to be loosened. Man, I don't know if you feel that today. And a man begins to be free. I think about John 1.15 where it says the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never ex extinguish it. It can never overcome it. The New King James says the light shines in the darkness. But the darkness... Does not comprehend it. <laughs> you, you know what happened there? The angel and the prayers showed up. And when the prayers showed up, the chains and every demonic influence and everyone that was in control and trying to destroy Peter said, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Because when the light shone, darkness could not comprehend it. And they failed to conquer what they wanted to conquer. I'm telling you today that though you may seem small and though you may feel insignificant, my God, you are actually mightier than what you are. Man, do you feel that in your soul today? Do you feel that in your spirit today? Please see this. Please see this. One group's desire to shift into urgent prayer come on, causes one man's darkness to shift into light. My God. My God. One mother's, <laughs> I wish mom was here today. One mother's, one mother's decision to shift into prayer in my room caused one man's life to shift from darkness into light. I want you to ask yourself this question or answer this question to yourself, however you want to say it. Put your eyes back on verse 7. I want you to look at that statement one more time. And here's the question. What does this statement mean to you? Here it is. And the light shone in the prison. Come on, what does that mean to you today? Man. Some of you guys maybe hear it this way already. Like one translation says it. And the light flooded in the prison. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ready to end. But everyone in here today is on one side of this story. Listen to this. Every single one of you, you can't run from this. Try your best. You're not going to run into it. You're going to hit a wall. Here it is. Every single one of you is on one side of this story. Number one, you're the individual who is shifting in the belief and the behalf, sorry, in the behalf of someone else. You're an individual who is shifting in prayer on the behalf of someone else. 
or you're the other person. You're the one that is in need of others shifting so that then there could be a shift in your own personal life. You stand in one of those two places today. If you're in Christ, you're either praying for someone or you are longing for someone to pray for you. Come on. If you're in Christ today, if you're in Christ today, you are, you are pleading for someone to be what? Released from prison? Or you are crying out for someone to release you from your prison? And I believe this today. I don't believe that this series is for a coincidence. I believe that there's a power and shift today. Come on. That there is light that is flooding in prisons today. You know what the over-religious do right now? The over-religious say this. The over-religious say this. That was for that day. The over-religious say this. He's taking scripture out of context. But I'm going to tell you something right now. You can't tell me today that the light of Christ does not still penetrate through prison walls and does not still penetrate through prison guards. Because may I, this happened some 2,000 years before I was laying on my bed. But I could tell you that this young man was in prison and there was a shift in someone else to pray to release me from my prison. And the same power that freed Peter from prison is the same power and the same light that shone in your life and freed you from prison. I'm telling you today that there's a power and shift. And I believe that there's a move of God in our church. And I believe that there's a move of God today for our lives and for the life of others and, and I believe that he's placed a burden in our hearts for others and a burden in our hearts for our very own things in our lives. And, and my question will continue to be, where is your vigorous exertion? Where is your vigorous labor prayer? Where is your labor of prayer? Because my end point, my end statement that I want to make sure you get concrete in you is that there is a light that floods prisons still today. There's still a light. There is still a light. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to go ahead and we're going to close off. And, but I do believe that, that God spoke this word for us. So watch this. It's a Wednesday night. We're going to worship some more. We're going to go longer if we have to. If we have to go home, I respect that. Go home in, 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 in peace and go safe. But we're going to allow the presence of God to fill this place today. And we're going to believe for people that are fighting and yelling from prison. We're going to go ahead and, and share in their suffering. And we're going to pray for them. And we're going to believe for them. Shoot, we're even going to believe in them. That God can do this. Maybe you're here today and you need to stand in the gap for someone. Well, go ahead and let's do that. But I'm believing that this message, man, that God stirred in my heart today was because there were a people in here today that God knew were going to be here today and that God knew they needed to hear this message. And I believe that you need to recognize that there is a power and shift today. And I believe this for our lives, for our church, and for your own personal life today. So this is what we're going to do. Let's pray. Let's worship. But if you need to run to this altar today and you need to say, man, the natural no longer can have a hold on me. I'm praying for the supernatural.
to destroy everything that the natural was meant to do. I need your light, O oh Lord, to shine in my darkness. In my prison, I need your light to flood. If that's you right now, let's worship and come up. And if you could come up here, some of the leaders are here. We're going to get around you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe with you. We're going to cry out with you. We're going to make war with you. We're going to have deep divine fellowship right now. And we're not going to leave here. We're going to cry. We're going to yell out to God. And we're going to believe for prison doors to open, for chains to fall, for guards to get away. And I pray for freedom. I pray for liberation. I pray for a shift in your life. I pray that today, if you've never prayed, you will pray for someone. I pray that you will begin to lift up someone that you know is in prison and that you would start to say light of Christ shine shine in their darkness shine in their prison so go ahead let's worship if you need to come up come if you feel led to pray listen I'm not even going to ask you come up and pray for someone let's pray let's intercede let's be the church and let's pray for one another let's go